Welcome back to the Ways to Flourish podcast, where we discuss how to flourish through our challenges and elevate voices across William & Mary's campus. Today, we are joined by Stephanie May, our campus dietitian, and Nancy Mao, nurse practitioner in the Student Health Center, to talk about plant-based nutrition. Welcome to you both. We're excited to have you join us today. Yeah, thank you for joining thank us. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. And you both just did this wonderful series on plant-based nutrition. Where did the inspiration for that collaboration come from? I would say about a year and a half ago, I was on a exercises medicine walk with several members of the health and wellness team, and Lindsay was on the walk, and Jenny Dunphy from Rec Sports, and we were asked if we were leading the walk to share some important health information as we were walking along. So I decided to talk about plant-based nutrition because I had just been to a wonderful conference, and so to share some of that. And through that, I got the idea that... Wouldn't it be great if we could collaborate with dietitian services and maybe loop in the chef, um, who Stephanie had already informed me was vegan, and put together a series? And so that was the infancy. And that's wonderful. And so a plant-based diet, elementary, what does this mean for, for people who are living this lifestyle? Oh. So the basics of plant-based diet can be visualized best by thinking of a power plate. So a circle divided into five segments. And the largest group would be grains and starchy vegetables, and that represents about five servings per day. The vegetable category, other vegetables would be about four servings. Uh, Fruits represent about two. The legumes, beans, and lentil category would be about three, and seeds and nuts are less at one to two servings. Grains and vegetables are the bulk of the diet and provide fiber, lots of nutrients, vitamin B, fortified iron, protein for sure, and lots of energy. The fruits and vegetable category combined is the second largest part of a plant-based diet, and they additionally provide antioxidants, so cancer-fighting power. We do like to think of sort of the nutrition rainbow and the importance of getting as many colors in as possible. So color diversity is important for immune-boosting power and different hued foods allow that. A few examples as we look at the rainbow, think about foods that are red, contain lycopene, which is important for prostate cancer risk reduction. Orange foods uh, have beta carotene. This is important for eye health, the immune system, and has some antioxidant powers Yellow and orange fruits, vitamin C, and other plant metabolites that are important for reducing cancer. The green, dark, leafy vegetables have folate, really important in pregnancy because we're building healthy cells and genetic material, and also play a role in HPV cancer prevention, which has some significance for anyone who is sexually active since HPV is a sexually transmitted virus. The green-white grouping would be able to also have some carcinogen effects, and the red-purple and blue-berry fruits similarly have that that powerful benefit. And then the last color, brown, really relates to whole grains and legumes, and they have carcinogen removal benefits as well as if you're intaking soluble fiber, you're getting benefits for reduced cholesterol accumulation of the bad cholesterol in the arteries and that's super beneficial for heart health. The nutrition really is medicine here. Yes. Yeah. And and the color spectrum too. The one thing I want to point out is like, I love that Nancy went through all those colors is, you know, 
everyone says like, oh, white foods are unhealthy. Like, absolutely not. Like navy beans, potatoes, chickpeas, there's so many good things. Even brown foods, like you just mentioned, are so healthy and there's so much that they can do for your body. So the beans and legumes category, I just wanted to digress a minute because you can get those from dried and canned beans, but also the soy products are part of that group. So tofu, which is soybean curd, tempeh, which is fermented soybean that comes in a cake form, and edamame, which are basically beans in a pod that can be added to salads, roasted, and the like. So important sources of fiber, as are all these components of plant-based nutrition. Fiber is huge. And then lastly, nuts and seeds. The reason that that category is going to be smaller as far as serving size recommendations really is because of the calories. There are nine calories per gram in fat, whether it's healthy fats or unhealthy fats, they're all created equally in terms of the calorie content. So we get great vitamins from those foods and protein, but we do have to watch the calorie intake. I love the uh, illustration that you've provided here and and breaking down all the different components of the plant-based diet, but there are a few different ways to interpret a plant-based diet, right? There are a couple of different ways. So different ways to be plant-based. If you think of a continuum of going from semi-vegetarian all the way to becoming completely vegan, we can define a few terms and types. So flexitarian is one example or whole food plant-based. Those folks tend to add in several meals a week that are plant-based and interject different foods throughout the week as they begin their transition. Pescatarian individuals eat seafood but avoid meat and chicken. Another category would be lacto-ovo-vegetarians, so lacto for milk products, ovo for eggs, so they do eat dairy and eggs. The lacto-vegans restrict to eating dairy and no meat, chicken, eggs, or seafood. The ovo-vegans do eat eggs. And then, of course, vegans uh, will not eat any animal products, so no meat, eggs, dairy, and that also includes honey. Oh, wow. I didn't realize about the piece about honey, but that does make sense, though. Coming from bees. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and you come into college, you have access to a wide variety, unlimited amounts, right, in the dining halls of, of some yummy, yummy plates over there. I'm a big fan. Um, but what is the real benefit? Why is it so important for our undergraduates and our graduate or student population to keep and maintain a healthy diet during their college experience? So there's so many reasons, and a healthy diet is essential for holistic wellness for the mind and the body. Hippocrates once said, let food be thy medicine. So we really want food to be our foundation. We don't want to cloud our intake with supplements and and other things, but food should be first from all the different food groups that we've just described. So in general, a healthy diet, which would not be highly processed and not containing refined foods, regardless of whether it's plant-based or the American Heart Association DASH diet or the Mediterranean diet, these are all good examples of healthy diets, they all have some general health benefits. And those include protection from chronic non-communicable diseases, such as hypertension and diabetes, obesity, building strong bones and enhancing growth and development, particularly important for our young adult population, boosting mood and energy and the immune system, which is important at any age, but really key to the health and wellness of our college students and helping to reduce stressors and keep their immune system functioning optimally to reduce uh, their chance of getting viral and bacterial infections, which you know interferes with 
academic progress greatly. And then lastly, uh, managing weight. And that's something whether we're trying to lose or gain weight, it's at any age an important benefit of healthy eating. So we want nutrient-dense foods, preferably whole foods, and we want to consume less sugar, less fat, and less salt. And this creates the essential healthy eating to maximize our function. So we heard, Nancy, about HPV and some of the other things. What are some of the other illnesses or or detrimental parts of our lives that, that good nutrition can help remedy or prevent? So your body's health reflects what you put into it, Uh, the old saying, you are what you eat. Although there may be a variety of deemed healthy eating patterns out there, plant-based eating really stands out in in the pack and has been shown to have the greatest impact on reversing chronic disease, whether it's coronary artery disease, hypertension, stroke, and there's been some amazing work done by Dean Ornish, a cardiologist, Mm -hmm. who wrote the book, Undo It!, which is one of the references that we use for our, our um, series. And he's really demonstrated that the arteries can just open up, the blood becomes less thick and viscous, and there are fewer plaque deposits. So it's just, it's quite powerful to realize that. The second area is really reversing diabetes. And there's been some great work done by the PCRM committee in uh, DC at GW University, directed by. Neil Barnard, and some compelling research there. So in summary, the payoff of a healthy diet is really huge. And I think it's important to not only think about diet as being important for total wellness, but also add in the importance of getting regular exercise, incorporating stress reduction strategies such as mindfulness and meditation, and then getting enough adequate and quality sleep. Yeah, I think of those as the pillars, how we fuel, how we train, how we hydrate, how we rest, and how we, you know, be more mindful or meditative. But Sylvia, I've got a question for you that is yeah. not on uh, my my thought list right now. But we talk about how how nutrition helps us with, or how we fuel helps our hearts and bodies and other things. What about our brain? I don't think we talk enough about what great nutrition is for the brain. We don't. For a student, faculty, or staff member listening to us right now, what are some of the benefits brain-wise? Yeah, I mean, just nutrition in general. Like, I think we, we think about food and you think about your muscles and your bones, but your brain uses a significant amount of energy. You know, if you're studying all day, if you're or a professor, you're, you're grading papers or doing whatever, you're burning a, a significant amount of energy, specifically carbohydrates. And so the benefit of a plant-based diet is that, you know, it's very much based in carbohydrates with beans and whole grains and those sorts of things. So you get that fuel for your brain. So you are more focused. You're more able to concentrate um, and that sort of thing, plus the antioxidant mm, uh, mm. benefit of it as well. So there's a lot for the plant-based diet can bring to the table when it comes to your brain health as well. And you, you just made the perfect segue into my next question is, of all the things that we can why go plant-based? What are all the reasons? Yeah, I mean— if you think about it, everyone technically is plant-based. If you eat a banana, it's a plant, right? It, you know, it's it's not this foreign thing that a lot of people think of, like, oh, it's such a strange leap. It's such a big leap. It's not at all. No, no, no. Like, most of us eat fairly plant-based already. It's just you have that protein on your plate. Well, you know, why not switch it up a little bit and add some things? And, and why not add more variety to your diet? I think that's the biggest benefit to going plant-based is why not have more protein options when you're looking at tofu, tempeh, edamame, those sorts of things. Why not add more variety to your diet? I think that's the biggest reason to go plant-based from my perspective. But then, you know, there's tons of other avenues because of general health, like Nancy touched on. 
lots of benefits for your cardiovascular system, reversing diabetes, all of those sorts of things. But then you can also go for environmental reasons, ethical reasons for the family, uh, not family, <laughs> for animals. Um, but also, you know, you can do things like just your own body in general and having that impact budget-wise, mm. is a really big one. For me, right out of college, my budget was low. <laughs> and so plant-based diet was kind of my avenue because beans and rice and lentils, especially dried versions, are very, very inexpensive. I was just sharing with Colin earlier, I, I rarely use canned beans anymore because I have a pressure cooker. Yeah. You know, I can go from dry to edible in like 45 minutes. Yeah. So it's very simple and very inexpensive, like 12 cents a serving or less. Mm-hmm. To switch to some of these more plant-based options. It truly is. Yeah, definitely a wallet saver if you're trying to, you know, pinch pennies and, and say, you know, cut corners a little bit. Instead of cutting corners on protein and cutting entire food groups out, just go plant-based. And that leads me to another question because I do hear, oh, I can't eat plant-based. It's so expensive. So what are some, like, myths and misperceptions for, for both of you, for Nancy and for Stephanie, about switching to a plant-based diet? Yes, I think the the big thing is when you tend to choose not the whole food, but I mean, Nancy, correct me, right? But like the, you know, the bean burgers, the chicken nuggets, those sorts of things. Yeah, they're they're very expensive. But when you're sticking to beans, nuts, seeds, whole grains, it's it's not that much at all. When you compare the energy density of, say, like nuts and seeds versus salmon and, you know, if you want to get the grass-fed beef and all those sorts of things, it's very, very pricey versus plant-based. I would agree. I think, you know, when you go shopping for the holidays and typically you're putting more meat in your cart and, um, you know, the bill is is high and perhaps that's not how you eat all the time, but you're entertaining family and you want to have a variety and more of a Western diet. But yeah, it adds up very quickly. What about the athlete who says there's no way I could possibly get everything I need without eating a farm full of food? Oh, I just say look at Tom Brady. I mean, goodness. But he, again, he has a team of chefs. I'm sure he has a dietitian. A pres- you know, he's got he's got a team here behind him. But I work with lots of athletes on campus who are interested in plant-based or are already plant-based. And, we, you know, the few things we look at, first and foremost, is that energy. Do they have enough fuel on board to make sure that they're fueling that human self, but then also that athlete component oh. of their life? And so a lot of times we do have to focus on energy density because plant foods – you know, lettuce and broccoli and those sorts of things aren't really very energy dense. We have to think about how can we bump up that carbohydrate with whole grains and sneak in some extra snacks and then with protein as well. You know, plant-based proteins aren't as easily digested as animal proteins. You can't absorb them as quickly. So we have to think about really focusing on that protein that they need to rebuild that muscle. And if we're considering taking the plant-based route, what's a way that we can start to implement some simple steps and do that in a harmonious way? slow and steady, <laughs> slowly introducing new things. So Nancy touched on kind of that transition between flexitarian all the way up to vegan. You know, you don't have to put yourself in a bucket and say, I'm a vegetarian. You could be plant-based and be anywhere you want to be in that spectrum. And I think it's just slow and steady. So start by one day a week, you know, do a meatless day or just a meatless meal at breakfast, lunch, or dinner, you know, grab tofu stir fry instead of the chicken stir fry at the, you know, Chinese restaurant or something along those lines. Just start small and really build up from there because you never want to, um, I actually met with a student this week who went vegetarian six months ago, but what she did was she just took all the meat away and she doesn't like tofu. She doesn't like beans. She doesn't like nuts and seeds. And so I was like, okay, we've got to compromise somewhere. You know, we've got to backtrack a little bit and, and learn to like these foods before we completely eliminate a whole food group. 
Yeah, and probably also start to face some health implications from that and missing some of those basic nutrients that you need too, right? Mm. Right, yeah. Yeah, everyone thinks of protein, but I mean, vitamin B12, vitamin uh, D, iron, some really big things you want to think about when you're switching to plant-based. And speaking of, you know, switching to plant-based, if you're trying to switch to a a plant-based diet, any advice, Stephanie, on fresh versus frozen versus canned? Because sometimes fresh is not always available. Yeah. And I think frozen is a fantastic alternative. Also, it's always on sale. So I think frozen is always, always a great option because it's picked, it's washed, it's flash frozen. So those nutrients are still preserved. They're still there versus sometimes fresh, say fresh broccoli is picked, sits on the farm, it's shipped, it's washed, it sits at the grocery store, it sits in your fridge, right? And as that time goes by, the vitamins might deteriorate a little bit. Mm. I mean, honestly, with with fresh and frozen, very, very comparable. The biggest difference is that crunch, right? If you cook something frozen, you don't quite get that crispy crunch. But at the same time, if you're doing a stir fry, it doesn't truly matter. So I think those are both great options. And then for canned, always trying to look low sodium if you can find something like that. And the classic question I think our, our plant-based folks might have is, how are you getting enough protein? Ugh. So what is the top source of um, vegetarian protein? So it is true that you will get enough protein, and the top sources come from vegetables, whole grains, and legumes. So to look at a few examples, if you take a similar portion of tempeh versus satan, which is wheat gluten that comes either as crumbles or slices or strips and compare that to tofu of a similar amount, they all have about the same amount of protein as a cup of cottage cheese. So you can make that substitute for dairy quite easily and get in the range of 30 grams of protein for an equivalent serving size. There is a formula for figuring out how much protein is uh, needed for men and women, and it's based on your weight. So the average size male needs about 55 grams of protein, the average size female about 46 So, you know, here we have a a cup of uh, tempeh, which is 33 grams already. Another example would be beans, lentils, and and a veggie burger, all a similar um, serving size, would have the same protein content as a cup of Greek yogurt, and it would be in the range of about 20 grams. And a third example might be nuts and edamame and quinoa. Quinoa being an ancient uh, gluten-free seed, similar protein content to eating two eggs. So again, making that substitution, which um, will get you plenty to reach that goal of 46 to 55, depending if you're a male or female, or it may be more or less, depending on what your weight is. Yeah, everything is based on amino acids. I mean, every protein is based on amino acids, no matter where they come from. You think about something like sea biscuit. you know, never ate a steak or hamburger, you know, in its life, but, you know, quite a muscular and talented horse. So. Strictly plant-based. Now, I do have a question, Stephanie, because I know you spoke to my class a couple weeks ago when you talked about how Lunchables are okay to pack, you know, your own. What are some ways to to maintain a plant-based diet when you're constantly moving, either to or from school or class or those of us who teach or work? Yeah, I'm a big fan of the make-your-own Lunchable. (laughs) I call them, you know, when I'm working with the athletes, at the athlete Lunchable, the plant-based Lunchable, whatever it may be, it's that same concept of of packing little tiny snacks that kind of add up to a big lunch. So for a plant-based one, you can do edamame pods or pita and hummus. And, and, you know, if you wanted to do a plant-based yogurt on the side or have some trail mix or little tofu cubes, you know, you can have a lot of little options that are snack-based that kind of help fuel you. So that's a great way to do some things on the run. 
I think the important thing is to plan ahead, and oh, that's a good that tip. keeps you on on track um, when you're on the go. And for folks who are dining on campus, what's going on in the in the halls that they can support this diet and lifestyle? Yeah, so we've got some really fun things going on. So one of the most popular that I hear on campus is Mosaic Bowl over at Commons. Oh, so absolutely. being able to kind of design your own rice bowl um, with cooked veggies. They had beets the other day. I personally love beets, so I was very, very excited. But then throughout, you know, say Commons and, and Sadler, you can find all sorts of vegan and vegetarian things. So one of my favorite things to do is mix and match. So again, actually there's beets again <laughs> at Simple Serving. So I got Mosaic Bowl, uh, like the warm veggies there. I went to Simple and got the fish and the beets and then I went to the salad bar and got some hummus and and so you can really mix and match and create this plant-based or pescatarian dish from multiple stations which I think is great and then over at Sadler we have maize which is our hot station so you can find all sorts of fun meals there as well. And I think for faculty and staff when you're thinking about you know how you can sustain plant-based while you're in the workplace it, it's quite easy if you have access to a refrigerator, freezer, microwave. You can do bulk cooking, batch cooking mm. on the weekends and portion things out. So you can just grab this and that to to bring. You can have leftovers. You can have bean burrito on hand, fruits and vegetables, hummus, things that are quick and easy. Perhaps some soup that's vegetarian that you might keep in your desk drawer and be able to pull that out. So lots of work options. Yeah, in our first presentation actually chef did a microwave meal it was just 15 minutes it was it was lentils quinoa and cooked veggies wow and so you have protein packed fiber packed nutrient packed 15 minute really really quick and that live series is wrapped up but if folks want to catch up on all the information you had to share they can find that on the william and mary health and wellness youtube channel and we've got all parts of that series live. And also if they want to learn some more about a plant-based diet, what's uh, what are some ways that they can dive into that land? So we have some great resources that we can share. Cookbooks, one that's entitled I Can Cook Vegan by Isa Chandra, the How Not to Die Cookbook by Michael Krieger, who is also the author of the textbook that has all the great health information, the data and science behind the benefits of plant-based nutrition. And he's a physician, so I would encourage um, access to uh, mm. yeah those. The Vegan Starter Kit is another great resource put together by Neil Bernard about how to get started. And many of the things we've touched on today are in his book. And then the Undo It reference by Dean Ornish, who's a cardiologist who did some of the pioneering research about reversing cardiovascular disease with plant-based nutrition. And he's also very much big into lifestyle medicine and incorporating those other important things that we talked about for wellness, sleep, mindfulness, meditation, and a good amount of exercise. There are also some great websites. There's one that is pcrm.org. It stands for the Physician Committee on Responsible Medicine. And that group is out of George Washington University in D.C., and Dr. Bernard, um, who did a lot of the pioneering diabetes research and plant-based nutrition, is in charge of that. They have wonderful recipes and just great free resources to access there. Uh, another great website, if you have a family, is veggiefitkids.com. So I'd encourage you to look there as well. So those are just a few resources. Not to put other people on the spot, but do you have a Stephanie? Do you have a favorite plant-based go-to or meal or something in your pantry that you just adore? Oh yeah, I'm a stir-fry person, so I love having things on hand. Like for example, last night I was, you know, really quick. 
quinoa cooks in 15 minutes. Mm. So I did a quinoa stir fry with zucchini, fennel, and I just threw some tofu in. And then I just use a Thai curry sauce that I have. So there's nothing wrong with using some pre-made things, especially if 99.9% of your meal yeah. is, is you know, plant-based and, and so natural. So yeah, that's one of my favorite. It's just stir fries. Like pick a grain, two vegetables and a protein and a sauce. Yum. Really easy. And you could use a, you could use a vegan pesto or, you know, there's so many good things out there now. Like I remember the days when almond milk first came out. It's a little bit rough. Lots of good options now. <laughs> Lots of great options. Nancy, right. what about you? Uh, last night, for instance, I may, I used tempeh and I marinated a little bit and crumbled it up and pretended it was hamburger meat and made stuffed peppers. And so oh. I, I sauteed some veggies in vegetable broth, which is a nice way to flavor them, or you can just use water. You don't have to use mm. oil at all to saute vegetables. So that's an important tip. And then I stuffed the red peppers. So I was getting lots of vitamin C from that, getting my, my red veggie in there and the lycopene. And, uh, and then I had made some lentils on the side. So lots of fiber, lots of protein. And I was full. I had oh, no I desire for that dessert <laughs> that I'm not allowed to have until after Sunday. So. Oh. <laughs> do you have a favorite? I do. I'm a big fan of chia pudding in the morning and letting it sit overnight with some almond milk, a little cinnamon, a little vanilla. You know, our mornings tend to be very, very busy and hectic with the kids. And so it's nice to have something I can just grab and go. Yeah, that's a little a bit of option. texture and flavor that to it. nice. Yeah. I do a 15 bean soup with, uh, I do use a can of organic tomatoes because I never have time this time of year to chop up. I mean, yeah. So it, And it just, I have it in my fridge. All the, I have it for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. I love something savory for breakfast. It gets things started off on a good note. Speaking of good notes, I'd like to end on a good note. So thank you, Stephanie May, for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. And Nancy Mal, thank you for being here too. And thank you for allowing us to share our passion for plant-based nutrition. Wonderful. And I also want to thank my co-host. Always a pleasure, Eric. Thank you also to our sponsor, United Healthcare, for the support of this podcast. Ways to Flourish is produced by Lindsay Heck, Brittany Emmons, Colin Cross, Jenny Helmendaller, Ben Heath, Daria Moody, and myself, Eric Garrison. 